I'm sorry, Transylvania Tim. I think the world needs to hear that you think Indian people sound like vampires. Welcome back to Rotten or Righteous, the only podcast that wants to be colonized by the British Empire, but they just won't take us. Can you blame him? He's a big name in the Bollywood belly dancing scene. He's Scott Judge. Man, and I tell you what, it's going to get it's going to get bigger when I figure out how to attach bells. You got nothing, do you? No, nope, my nothing. first thought was bungee cords, but I. <laughs> Bungee cords, bells, the bolly belly dancing. And me, well, I once caught a tiger by the toe, but it hollered, so I let it go. I'm Zach Geiler. This week, we're not doing something horrible. And we're not doing a documentary this week either. And I know what you're thinking. Didn't you say you were doing documentaries? Yeah, but then four weeks of what we just did. Talk about burnout. I mean, you talk about burnout. I mean, we're going to do a fun documentary about a cat, which we still might do. Uh, in a couple weeks, but uh, this is the opposite of what we've been doing for the past four weeks. Because we're going to talk about enjoyable. We're going to talk about a movie that was a delight. It was yes. a delight. It's a foreign film, and uh, which I'm surprised Scott liked it as much as he did, but he did. And um, I'm a little embarrassed over that fact, actually, and I don't know why. I don't know why either, and. Uh, you know, I why we're watching this movie. I, I'll, I'll tell you, it, it happened pretty naturally, organically. You know, we were scrolling through Netflix trying to find something for me and Kelsey to watch that wouldn't, you know, influence Joseph too terribly with the language and everything else. And uh, I, I came across something on on YouTube about this movie. And I looked at the, the ratings and saw that there wasn't too much language. There's, I think there's like one or two words, but it's not any of the big bad ones. At least I didn't hear that. And uh, no nudity, just violence. And I'm not worried about violence anyways, because when me and Kelsey are watching TV, Joseph is off studying his Bible. So, because I'm a good dad. And so, uh, during Bible study time for Joseph, when he's sitting there learning all about the apostles and the Ten Commandments, uh, me and Kelsey watch foreign Indian uh, action movies, apparently. This movie's called RRR. I don't. I don't know. <laughs> it's called RRR. RRR. And uh, I don't know how you pronounce it. If it's RRR or RRR or RRR. It's, it's not a pirate movie, though. Arr. No, it's not. Surprisingly, it's not about a pirate. And it is a a Bollywood film. It's really good. It's on Netflix. Uh, I would rem- got- recommend that you. Uh, I'm not joking. If the second half of this movie, me and Scott only watched the first half because this movie breaks uh, apart perfectly right in the middle. Uh, we only watched the first half, but if the second half is as good as the first half, it might be my new favorite movie. Seriously, it's it's that fun. It's it's, it's got bromance. It's got a love interest. It's got a kidnapping. It's got family values. It's got violence. A guy fights a tiger. What's a not tiger like? fights a guy? There's dancing. There's really cool. There's music a musical number just in there for some reason. There's a bridge and a train, a train wreck. There's 40 and minutes of an intro. You can't go wrong with this. <laughs> now, I will. I will. Dogs. Okay, let's not dive and get oh. or divulge too much at the top. I'm excited. I am too, but I do want to warn you that I almost turned it off when I first turned it really? on. Really? Well, because in this movie, I don't know if you ever watched like the old, older movies from like the 50s and 60s where they put the credits at the beginning of the movie instead of at the end of the movie. The credits are at the beginning of the movie. So the movie doesn't actually start for like 10 minutes of of just credits. So I was almost like, this is dumb. I'm not going to watch this. But get through the credits. Fast forward them. That's what the fast forward button there or is there for. But I will say that this movie begins like all great movies. With a little Hindi girl named Molly painting a peacock on the hand of a middle-aged white woman with horrible plastic surgery while singing a song about how much she likes to be coddled in her mother's lap. (laughs) (laughs) 
over now if they all start that way. (laughs) (laughs) That's exactly how it started. It's it's true. I don't know why I find it so funny. She was just painting a peacock on a woman's hand. The woman had terrible plastic surgery. Horrible plastic surgery. Which is probably why she is the only English-speaking person in a Bollywood film. She might have had a career beforehand. Uh, but her career has brought her to this point. Right, she looks... And, and rightly so. I mean, take a look at how... Take a look at, at, at the integrity of this woman. She kidnaps a little girl. Well, she doesn't Poor. kidnap her. I don't think you can count it as kidnapping. She, she buys a little girl. Oh, well, that makes it okay. Yes, everyone knows that slavery is better than kidnapping. So I'm going to go to the mall and pick up a kid and throw a $10 bill at your mom and dad and be like, peace and be filled. Have a nice day. By now, I'm sure you've guessed where we are, what the setting of this movie is. I'm sure that you guessed that we're in a remote village that belongs to the Gond tribe and Adilabad Forest in colonized India early in the 20th century. I mean, it's pretty obvious. Yes. When plastic surgery victim and middle-aged white woman's husband returns from a hunting trip surrounded by armed soldiers, the woman's like, Honey, let us buy this child for our amusement. And the husband's like, Bully idea! And throws a couple... did Did she actually say, I want this one on my mantle? I think so. Yeah, that's horrible. How are you going to fit it on your mantle, Marjorie? You have already have 15 other small Indian babies up there. He comes back in with a, with a deer. And they show that he's already hunted and killed seven deer that day. I will also say at the top of this, this movie was very, very clear that all of the animals in this yes. movie are CGI. And that's mm-hmm. important because of what they do to the animals in this movie. Yes. None of them are real. But they all wake up dead. And I will say, this is some of the best CGI I have ever seen in a movie. Oh, it's good. I mean, it's there's good. like one scene that's really bad, but the rest of the, the scenes, especially the animals, are great. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and you'll, you'll definitely look for, if you watch this movie, look forward to the CGI. Because it's really good. And even the parts where you're like, ah, there's no way that, I mean, even that is just so... Fun to look at it. The entire movie is like going. You're almost going. No, yeah, you know what? Maybe that could happen. Maybe no, I never once. I never once thought that, Scott. Because I'm not. Oh, I'm, not a, I'm not. I'm not an did. idiot. But I'm a believer. I've bought in. I will say, as I describe this movie, a lot of you are going to go like, mm, I don't really want to watch that. And I would understand, but you really need to. It's really good. It is. So it starts out with this husband and wife. This guy coming back from the hunting trip is India's governor, fittingly named Scott. That's why I no longer go by Scott. I now go by Molly. Zerubable. Molly Zerubbabel. Molly Zerubbabel Steen. Uh, by yes. the time... <laughs> second, second. <laughs> by the time Molly's mom realizes that she just sold her daughter, the little girl's already in... Scott's car. And so the mom catches up with the kid and throws herself in front of the wheel to stop them from kidnapping her child. And a soldier rushes up to shoot her in the head. But then Governor Scott's like, hey, hey, bud. Hey, stop it. Hey, hey, hey. You know how expensive that bullet is? That's that's an expensive bullet. And you're going to just waste it by capping the dome of this here Indian girl or Indian Mm -hmm. woman? Dummy? No. Put the gun away. And pick up this big stick, which he does. Crush her skull. And then swings at her head like a late 80s Bash brother hitting one out of the park. Yeah. Did you like that reference, it, Scott? Did it, you like did. the Bash Brothers reference? I did. I did. I'm very impressed. Are we going to let our listeners know who the Bash Brothers were? Uh, Mark McGuire and a Mexican. <laughs> I don't. Jose Canseco. I knew it was something Hispanic. Because Mark McGuire was. I remember. I had a t shirt that had Mark McGuire's face on it when I was a little kid. He didn't hit uh-huh. the. 
he didn't hit the home run record with the Bash Brothers. He did that oh, later no. on in the nineties. Yeah, when, but, when he got to St. Louis. So, but, yeah, and that's an accurate description of, of what the uh, of what the guy did. To, and I know to what you're mother. thinking. You're telling me in the first five minutes, a uh, child gets kidnapped, sold into slavery, and a mother gets her head caved in? Yes, but it's fun. Yeah. It's a fun movie, guys. I promise. Now, I, I know what you're thinking. First of all, what we just described was the first chapter in this movie. And it was the first chapter is called The Story. And the second chapter is called Fire. You see what they're do- you see how the movie's called R R R, and each one of these words have an R in it. It's ingenious, isn't it? It's. It, I didn't know you could alliterate with letters inside of words. If I knew that, my homiletics class would have been much easier. The <laughs> grade would have been much higher. Anyways, we're in chapter two now. Fire. There's an angry mob surrounding a police station outside of Delhi. And they're protesting the recent arrest of revolutionary Lola Lajpat Rai, I think. Kazintite. And things are looking pretty bleak for the handful of officers, as thousands of protesters are threatening to breach the walls of this here police department. Then someone in the mob hurls a rock, breaking a frame around a picture of the King of England. And nobody throws a rock at the King and gets away with it. Nobody. And so the commanding officer orders the rock thrower's arrest. And there's only one man capable of going into that violent mob of thousands to arrest one man and come back alive armed with nothing but a stick. Can, can I say something before you proceed? Yes. This man that Zach is about to tell us about is bigger than Rambo. I'll tell you Go this ahead. much. This man it might be the most beautiful man on the face of the earth. I'm not even joking. I just, a, it's just, I ain't going that far. He's, he's a handsome man. Though. He's a handsome man. He's got a mustache to rival Selleck. He's got yeah. pecs that rival the rock. He got, he, his, his washboard abs have washboard abs on them. If you look close enough, his six pack, each one of his six packs has another six pack. It's a six pack. His back is that perfect V shape. I don't even know what that is, Scott. Man, you're gay. <laughs> Shut up! (laughs) And this one man, the fire, a.k.a. Raju, I gotta be honest with you, Indian names are not as intimidating as their their physiques. I'm gonna be, I mean, let's just be completely honest. He's a beast. He is a beast, but if he came and he's like, my name is Raju, you'd be like, okay, Puka, whatever you say. (laughs) My name's Beat Beat. Your name's what? My name's Beep Beep. Beep Beep out of oh. a bag. Beep Beep. Whatever you say, Rage You. That's fine. I'm telling you right now, this guy with a with a with a good trampoline, he could have jumped up and brought the Chinese balloon back all by himself. Timely. I'm sure that if That's anyone how- listens to this in next year or something, they're gonna be like, Oh yeah, remember that, the Chinese balloon? <laughs> it was yesterday in our world. <laughs> it was, but it won't be yesterday for long. It won't even be yesterday a month from now when this episode comes out. Yeah, it'll be a month ago. Yeah. So, like, listen, Chinese balloon. Do you remember? Do you remember a month ago when there was that Chinese balloon? <laughs> this guy with a good trampoline could have got a running start, jumped mean, up, and put it down himself. T- are they talking about the thing that sparked World War Three? That's not fun to joke about. That's the, oh man, I tell you what, I'd hate to have craziness happen. We'd have to go back and just like, just like ditch this episode. You think I can? We don't have the listeners to to justify <laughs> going back and censoring ourselves. What are we here? Who's going to be listening to this? So, anyways, Raju, no one, not even the laws of physics can stop this man. <laughs> he defied several laws. Every time he gets knocked down, he just grits his teeth, flexes his pecs, and like 50 dudes just go flying off of him all at once. It looks like those mm-hmm. war movies where they have like landmines and the soldiers are rushing forward and then you just see like 
12 of them fly off when they trigger a landmine. It, it looks a lot like that, except the landmine's a dude. He, he had to have been 17 feet in the air when he jumped the fence. And he came down and, and just no one, no one can stop him. No, he's I, I mean, literally surrounded by thousands of people. And he takes time to do things he doesn't need to do. Yeah. Like, like at one point, I mean, he's trying to get to Rock Thrower, which I appreciate this movie even more because Rock, they're all wearing turbans, these guys, but Rock Thrower's turban is red and the rest of them are white. So I appreciate that. So I can always keep an eye on Rock Thrower, knowing where <laughs> we're trying where to get to. Going. But <sighs> at one point, Raju gets out ahead of this crowd and there's a big old tower and he just jumps up on the tower and the tower falls down on people for no, he didn't need to go there. He didn't need to jump up that tower. He didn't need to knock it down, but he did. And I appreciate it. And then superhuman. And then he climbs a cliff that he didn't need to climb. Why? Just so he can throw some guys off of it for fun. But then how's But then how is he going to get down that cliff? Well, I'll tell you, he's going to have two guys clinging onto his back while he clings on to another guy in the front and just rolls down using those guys like airbags. Yeah. It's in, they I mean, die. He's if, if, if that doesn't make you go, you know, I kind of want to watch an uh, insanely strong, near superhuman person roll down a cliff using three guys as buffers. If that doesn't go, I want to watch this movie, then... then you need Just to go, and on. you probably should go forward on Sunday. <laughs> yeah. So he even got hit in the head with rocks. No, with a big Not old hunk of rocks. no, with a big old chunk of asphalt. <laughs> they just yeah. picked. They just picked up a piece of the road and hit him with it. And he was like, "Oh man, ow!" Oh, that's smarted. <laughs> so he gets down off this cliff with the help of now three dead men, uh, and finally apprehends Rock Thrower. After a couple of somersaults, lighting a few protesters on fire, and hitting a few more with his stick, Raju makes it back to the police station. Sprinkles a little water on his face. Boom. He's done. He stands back at attention. The crowd's so scared of Raju at this point that they flee in terror. They're not going to stick around. <laughs> thousands, thousands about face and go. I mean, they're not going to... I mean, I would too. This dude... <laughs> and there's there's a great line right here where the one soldier is like, I was really, really scared with that mob. And the, the guy that ordered the arrest goes, I'm for, far more afraid of Raju. Yeah, me too. And he should be. But yeah, I'll tell you what, he does make a pretty good uh, pasta sauce. Yes. Yes. This episode of Rotten Righteous brought to you by Ragu Pasta Sauce. Ragu. Ragu. Variety. When you don't love your family enough. Ragu. Um. (laughs) (laughs) I love the fact that once in a while we pick up sponsors. I, I love the fact that I haven't felt like this recorded an episode in so long. Oh, <laughs> it feels good. It does. It feels La- great. Later, after being passed up for a commendation by the British police force, mainly because he's not right, Raju is desperate to get the recognition that he deserves. But first, he has to go to the gym and work out his anger at the injustice of it all. So he takes off his shirt or his shirt does a speed bag for a minute and then punches a hole straight through a punching bag. Which is impressive. I mean, is have it you ever impressive? Hit a punching bag before? Yeah, I have. End of chapter two. Chapter three. Three. Water. It's games like a, you know, it's the, this game's like a Where's Waldo, where every chapter you're like, where's the R? Oh, it's at the end this time. At Governor Scott's mansion, a local emissary is encouraging the Scots to return their child slave that they just bought back to the Gond tribe. Because, believe it or not, the Gond aren't too keen on having their children bought by random white people. Shock, shock. And uh, they also warn them that the Gond's leader is not going to rest until Mali is home, and he will go to any length necessary to get that child back home safely. Who is this leader? 
none other than water himself, Lahim, who we are introduced to as he's just striking a pose with all of his body hair just on display for the world to see. <laughs> as he slowly pours blood just right on his head. And why is he pouring blood on his head? So a wolf will chase him. Of course. Of course. I know when I pull when I pour blood on my head, it's so a wolf will chase me. So here's what he what, what Behem's planning on doing. He's gonna get this wolf to chase him by pouring a bunch of blood on his head, and then he's gonna run towards his two friends that are up in trees, and they got a net set up so that they could spring the trap and, and catch the wolf. Why are they catching wolves? Oh, he'll find out. Don't you worry. When the wolf comes and Bahim takes off running, a problem occurs. Namely, a big old Bengal tiger also smelled the blood and was like, hmm, I'm going to, I kind of want me a bite of Bahim. A little That's snack. Great. What do you know? There's, there's another problem that just kind of popped out of the blue. Yeah, just. Nothing oh, Bahim can't oh. handle. Well, of course what? not, because how does he do this? I'll tell you how. Behem sees the tiger, runs straight at it, but right before the tiger's about to pounce, he does like a baseball slide, and the tiger leaps over him, and at the same time, the wolf is leaping up behind him, causing the two animals to collide into each other. And there's a standoff between the tiger and the wolf for about four seconds before the wolf's like, yeah, no, you're right. I'm sorry, Mr. Tiger. I'm going to run away. <laughs> Done messed up. So now he's being now Behem's being chased by a tiger. And he's running through the woods as fast as he can, holding or heading towards the tribe's trap, and the trap is sprung, and a tiger's caught in a net, but the trap was meant for a wolf, so the tiger easily breaks out of the net. Thankfully, one of the tribesmen manages to hit the tiger right on the nose with a jar of green cocaine that knocks the beast just out. I don't know what else to call Indeed. it. He looked yeah. like he looked like Scarface on St. Patrick's Day. So, so did he? Scarface on St. Patrick's Day. So, so did he? Did he choke him to death? Did I? Did he choke him enough no. that the tiger went to sleep? He told, no, the green stuff. He didn't do nothing to the tiger. The tiger was knocked out by the green stuff, and then Raheem ah. grabbed his head and was like, "I'm using you for my own selfish needs. I'm sorry, brother." And he cries a little bit, yeah, because he respects nature. However, when the old plastic surgery lady from the beginning of the movie offers a special promotion to the officer that captures Behem, Raju jumps at that opportunity. Now, Raju assumes he can find the Gond leader by finding the anti-British revolutionaries in the city, thinking that Behem would go to the revolutionaries for help. I mean, if you're going to try to take something from the British, especially the British governor, you should go to the people that hate the British. Mm -hmm. And uh, while that's happening... Behem actually sees Governor Scott or, or Governor Scott's daughter, Jenny, and he's just immediately smitten with her. Mm, love is in the air. So uh Raju Raju Raju. I apologize for all of our Indian listeners that I'm butchering these names. So anyways, uh Raju starts. We do going, appreciate that you allow us to call customer support though. You sounded like a vampire. You sounded like you wanted to suck my blood. What that's the crap was that's, that? That's a cut point there. That's me trying no, to have I, my... No, uh... I doubt that it will be. I'm sorry, Transylvania. <laughs> I'm sorry, Transylvania Tim. I think the world needs to hear that you think Indian people sound like vampires. Thank you Hello for there. Thank you for calling customer support. Ah, ah, ah. You one time. Two times. <laughs> Raju starts going to the revolutionary meetings and he's pretending to be on their side and he's like pitching ideas like, hey, let's kill Governor Scott. And uh, Raju's extreme ideas catches the attention of one of Behem's friends. Lakum, I think, or Lakum, or Lachum, who knows? Anyways, Lala is even willing to lead uh, <laughs> Raju to Behem. Relead? <laughs> yep. He's going to relead him right there. Yep. 
Lachum is even willing to lead Raju to Behem. That is until Raju's cover's blown, uh, and so Lachum hightails it out of there. Lachum loses Raju in a conveniently placed street festival that's going on. So Raju climbs to the top of another conveniently placed bridge to try and find Lachum again. Now, right under the bridge, Behem is paying a local boy to catch him a fish. So the little boy paddles out in his, his weird circle boat thing. And meanwhile, a conveniently coming train is crossing the bridge with a conveniently leaky oil tank. Convenient. Which conveniently catches on fire when the brakes spark and explodes, sending a flaming train into the river below. Now little fisher boy's caught in the middle of a burning inferno shouting for help. So Behem's on the ground. Raju's up on the bridge. They lock eyes. They don't know that they're enemies right now. They just lock eyes. And they do like four hand motions. Four hand, not a word was spoken between the two men. Four hand motions. They have a plan set. They're going to save this little boy. What are they going to do? Get one long piece of rope. Tie, or Behem's going to tie one end to him. Raju's going to tie one end to him. Raju's going to get on a horse. Behem's going to get on a motorcycle. They're going to ride these animals in motorcycles as fast as they can towards the edge of the bridge. Why? Couldn't they just jump off? Because, anyways, they go as fast as they can towards the edge of the bridge. Right before they get there, they jump off of their respected steeds. Now they're falling through the air. (laughs) Raju grabs a flag, and Behem doesn't grab anything yet. So, they swing underneath the bridge. Raju passes the flag off to Behem. It's now wet because he dipped it in the water on their way to getting Behem. Behem swings out, grabs the fisher boy, brings the fisher boy back to Raju. Raju takes the child. Behem swinging back towards this giant inferno explosion, but wraps himself in the wet flag so he doesn't get burned. But he could get burned. But when he comes back, Oh, what happened? Raju safely deposited Fisher Boy somewhere else, and the two clasp hands. Immediate best friends. Mm. Mm. Did you feel like at any point during this scene that the force was strong with them? No, I didn't. Oh, I did. And by the way, the second they become best friends, time for the title card. Yep, everything we just talked about was the introduction of this movie. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) And how far... Are we into it now? 40 minutes before we get yeah. the title of this movie. So we're R- like, we're like, R- R- and you're going, oh, okay. So does it stand for story, fire, water? Because that's what they kind of made it seem so far. Nope. It stands for rise, roar, revolt. <laughs> <laughs> as long as we get the R's in there, that's all that matters. Okay. So what happens next can only be described as a uh, best friend montage. Well, there's a bromance going on. And the 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 song in the background is in Hindi, but um the English translations underneath it are there and it tells the story of this movie. And I just want to uh to read some of these Lyrics to you, so you can get the idea. Although I do think that you should just go and watch it yourself. Of dragon and falcon, of ocean and flame, of burning embers, of littoral midstream. I don't know what littoral means. Maybe littoral? they mean literal, but it's spelled wrong. Of the rebel executioner. Friendship! Friendship! Where is this storm blowing? How has this revolution come? Waves of struggle or confluence will come. The friendship of rock and storm. Friendship of lightning and thunder. East and west meeting surprised this friendship. A secret hid inside. Fun and deep sea. Every time this distance between you grows. Whether it is the force of war or association. Which cloud is there? Such a poisonous wind blows moment by moment. The path is not different, but the fear is that their goals are different. Broken mirror, missing bond, who's left? Where's the storm blowing? How has the revolutionary come? Waves of struggle or confluence will come. The friendship of rock and storm. Friendship of lightning and thunder. East and west meeting. Surprise this friendship. So that's the theme. So now you know basically what the movie's about. 
No, the translations what? of littoral or coast. Oh, okay, a coastal stream. Sure of a, yeah, sure of a lake or a sea or ocean. Great, now we know. Uh, but we do have a best friend montage while this song is playing. The first thing Behem and Raju do is jump back into the, the river that's still on fire and then walk on the bottom of the river towards each other so they can give each other a high five under the water. Under the water. And then they go to the festival together and they climb a tower of people and hit a big pinata filled with goo at the top. And then this is how I knew this movie was going to be great. All right. They go back to the little fisher boy and the fisher boy reaches in his shirt and pulls out the fish that he caught for Behem. Job done. So even even though he was about to get exploded, that little boy still was like, I'm going to put this fish in my shirt and give it to him. Uh, And after they get the fish, they climb a tree and eat that fish. Then Behem invites Raju over for dinner with his family. And they go on a long hike up a mountain. They ride tantum on a motorcycle through town. They fail to steal a goat and are then chased by a shepherd. They go on horseback rides next to a lake. They walk down railroad tracks in the fog. Then they rest, race a train. And when the steam comes out the train, you know they jump through it. Oh. They, then they play tug of war. Behem wins easily. Then they do pull-ups on a tree. And then Behem does some squats while uh, Raju is sitting on his shoulders. It's a capital I, B, capital R, capital O, Mance. I mean, this is... I was a little bit worried right now at this point. So all while this montage is playing out, we see little cuts of Bahim still looking for Molly and, and Raju still looking for the Gond leader. And Bahim is still smitten with Jimmy when, or Jimmy. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a bromance. <laughs> and besides that, who is Jimmy? <laughs> Jimmy to Jimmy. I don't, I don't remember Jimmy. 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 So anyways, Behem is still smitten with Jenny, but he doesn't know how to talk to her. Literally. He doesn't speak English. He doesn't know how to talk to her. But Raju knows what to do. He's just going to drop a thousand rusty nails on the road that he just carries around in his pocket for some reason and pop every single one of her tires. He was and then, successful. And the Behem's like, oh, that was a good idea. No, Behem, it wasn't. <laughs> it was great. And then, because this is a movie, uh, Behem offers to repair her tires. He does work as a mechanic. And he offers to give her a ride on his motorcycle. And because, like I said, this is a movie, a white woman gets on the back of a foreigner's motorcycle who speaks a language that she doesn't understand. Mm-hmm. And rides off into the sunset. And the two go to the local yeah. market, and they get to know one another. And it's hard, because, you know, the language barrier. However, he makes out enough of Jenny's language to find out that, that Molly is staying at Jenny's father's house. You know, Governor Scott. So Behem quickly, this part confused me, he quickly makes a bracelet. Just in like five <laughs> quickly. seconds. He quickly. Just, he hammers out a bracelet in like five seconds. Gives it to Jenny to give to Molly. So that way when Molly gets it, she'll know that Behem's coming for her. Mm-hmm. And before their date is over, Jenny invites Behem to a party at her family's mansion. i tell you what, things are happening quick. I mean... We have a connection here. We've got a bromance, we got a romance, some guy named Jimmy just showed up. This movie has it all. So Behem obviously invites uh, Raju to go to the party with him. And the two get dressed to the nines, and they arrive looking sharp. Sharp as tax, these two. And one of the British men is there, jealous that Jenny is spending so much time with a, a native Indian instead of him. And so he challenges Behem. What is he challenging him to? I bet you already guessed. A knockdown, drag out, dance to you drop, choreographed dance battle called the Dossy Knock. And he Dossie knocked it out of the park. I'm going to play a little bit of this song because it's actually really, really cool. <laughs> I love this it song. Is. And I know what you're thinking. Oh, so this played in the background while they danced? No. 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 Raju and Bahim sang this song. It turned into a musical for a good five minutes. Not salsa, not flamenco, my brother. Do you know Desi Nach? What's Desi Nach? 
बैल जैसे धूल उड़ा के सिंग उठा के तुम भी नाचो बाजी जम के ताल ढोल बेटा राजू उड़ के नाचो हीरो से भी तेज कोई कर सके जो बेद नाचो बल में घोड़े जैसे पाक डोर छोड़ नाचो जो तो रोट मोटा मिर्च खा के ऐसे नाचो and, and I tell you what, all the all the women of the party totally into this dance. They love it. You know, I I don't know I don't know that it would be bad if you played the whole thing on the podcast. I feel like it would be because that song has now been uh, nominated for an Oscar, so it's not like. Nobody knows about this small, movie. Small details, Zach. <laughs> small details. So it is, it is great. It's one of the funnest scenes in the entire movie. And even though this dance is so complicated that it looks a little bit like Behem and Raju are having a synchronized seizure, everyone at the party immediately knows all the steps. And they're yeah. doing it. Could you do this? Could you do this dance? I Absolutely couldn't. Absolutely right not. Now. My knees hurt watching it. Yeah, I, I even even when I was a small man in shape, I couldn't have done this dance. That's crazy. I mean, I'm not joking when I said it looked like a synchronized seizure. That is the best way I could describe it. Yeah. And uh, it might not seem like it, but the dance sequence is surprisingly cool. And it has a really nice ending because Raju lets Behem win the battle so Behem can impress Jenny. Now, after the party, Jenny invites Behem to come over to her house for a coffee. Coffee. Which we know what that means here on this podcast. She's going to alter his costume. (laughs) (laughs) What what was the name of that movie? Something Gavin Gavin Stone? Resurrection of Gavin Stone. Gavin Stone, If you want to watch it, uh, or if you want to listen to our podcast on that one, it's called, you want to come over for a a coffee and a costume alteration. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) Um... So, Jenny and Behem drive away. And as they do, Raju sees some, some paint, blue paint, on the back of Jenny's car. And it was similar to the paint that he saw on Behem's friend Lachum's fingers when the day he was chasing them. So, he puts two and two together. Lachum must work at the paint shop in town. And Dolly, in 1920, only had one. So, That's he right. ran there, finds Lachum, just boom, apprehends him. At Jenny's home, Behem manages to confirm that Molly is living in the Scots house. And they have a conversation. The little girl's like, hey, you want to take me with you right right now? Because nobody, nobody's really here, and we could just probably sneak out. And Behem's like, oh, no, 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 no. Not if you no, know no, what no. I've, not if you know what I got planning or <laughs> what I've been planning. I'm not going to rescue you now when it's going to be easy. So Behem leaves the mansion knowing that he's going to have to break her out of the, the Scots family house and basically kill anyone who gets in, in his way. Meanwhile, Raju and, and Lachum are having a nice evening of, of Lachum being tortured uh, in order to get some information about the Gand leader. But Lachum refuses to rat on his friend. And eventually, Lachum is able to capture a poisonous snake by tapping a stick on the ground with his tied hands, and the snake's like, hey, did you tap for me? Okay, cool. You rang? <laughs> so he grabs this snake, and the second he gets the opportunity, uh, Lachum throws the snake at Raju, which happens to be this super poisonous snake that only the Gand know the antidote for. And he's like, hey, by the way, in an hour you're going to die, bub. Hope you like that mustache, because it's about ready to be dead. And so Raju's like, I got to go to my best friend, because I'm dying. Mm-hmm. <laughs> What's it funny? I, I mean, he could have gone to anybody, but he's like, I gotta go see. Be- I gotta go see Behem. Hey, the bromance was strong with those. Not two. only that, but we just saw a flashback that that Raju has a girlfriend somewhere, and they have matching charm bracelets. And yeah, there's like, I don't understand that. There's a couple of scenes here I don't understand, uh, relating to Raju. All right, so we have this flashback. I don't know if it's a flashback or just a cut to a different place. Raju's girlfriend that has his charm bracelet, the other half of it, standing by a lake. And then this large group of people, like 60 people, walk up to her. And this guy with a terrible English dub goes like, Eh, do you think Raju even remembers us? 
Sounds like Bobcat Goldthwait. I'm not even joking. <laughs> Do you think that he remembers you? <laughs> and then... And then after he... I'm having a flashback to Police Academy right now. <laughs> Where... <laughs> Where's Raju? <laughs> um, <laughs> so anyways, Raju goes back to Behem, and Behem knows what happened, that he was bitten by this snake, and he's got to get his buddy help. And so he helps his buddy out. But before Raju passes out, from the snake bite, he passes out because of it. Raju notices that Behem has the same kind of necklace that Lachum was wearing. So Raju realizes that Behem is the man that he's been hunting this whole time. Mm-hmm. So he recovers enough to be sad and go to his gym and punch his punching bag for a little while and then punch like 57 holes into a brick wall. Mm-hmm. And while he's doing this, again, weird flashbacks I don't understand. Hopefully I will. But he keeps having flashbacks to, like, some weird war where everyone wore white gauze. Uh, There was a dude with his finger cut off. And then, I assume, a small Raju just shot a dude. We don't know who this guy is. We don't know why he's missing his finger. I have no idea what's happening. Can we please go back to the dance? I had a hard time figuring out the timeline here. Because it didn't quite make sense. Because Bahim leaves and then uh, I thought I knew where he was going, but then the time frame didn't make sense for Raju to get up and go box and all that. Yes, it does. It makes perfect sense. Takes a while for him to get in that truck and it just make, just shut up. Anyways, don't put holes. Don't put, your mom can shut up. Hey, listen, (laughs) Hey, here's an idea. Don't put holes in this movie. Okay. It's too good. Okay. Well, just no, no, accept no. I'm it. I'm trying to put a hole. I'm just, I didn't understand. Time can work however it wants for Raju and Behem in order to make this work. They can jump 47 feet in the air, pick up yes. entire station wagons and hurl them at people. But the fact that he was a little bit fast in his recovery, that's that's where your limit of imagination <laughs> ends. You're right. I'm ruining the movie. I'm so anyways, sorry, dear listener. Conflicted a sad Raju's punching holes in the wall. He's coming to terms with the fact that he's going to arrest his best friend, but he's so dedicated to his job. He wants this promotion. He's going he's gonna to do what needs to be done. Meanwhile, back at Scott's mansion, a huge gala's going on, and Behem and his fellow Gond tribesmen rush the gate on an army flatbed. And what's on the back of that truck? Just about 50 wild animals that they captured. I paused it, Scott. There's some deer, a couple leopards, a few cheetahs. <laughs> Several bears, a couple jackals, wolves, and that tiger that was caught during the water chapter. Yeah. And these animals come out and they are just tearing the British army apart. And it is disgustingly awesome. With the vengeance. Oh, it's so great. It's so cool. I don't, I mean, it's just so cool. It's so stupid, but so cool. (laughs) Hey, let me share share something with you. You can cut this if you want. But you know, I was talking about the time frame. It's the only time in the movie I'm like, this can't be real. This doesn't work. This doesn't make sense. <laughs> Everything else in the movie, I'm like, yeah, okay. Yeah, maybe that can happen. But, you know, all these animals, I'm like, yeah, okay. I don't know how they caught them, but yeah, man. They're you do know the how they up. caught them. You do know how they caught them. But he poured blood on his head and ran through the woods until they got in his net, and then they <laughs> threw green cocaine at him. They showed us exactly how they caught these animals, Scott. Then they put him in a cage. And then they waited for him to wake up at the right time. Hey, don't you remember that scene during the friendship montage? I didn't write it down, but maybe I should have. Where where Bahim's carrying two big old sides of beef on a stick. Oh, and, yes. And and Joaquin puts them inside of that door and then pulls a chain and they fall down. You know that was going to the tiger. They were oh, keeping yeah. the tigers within the city. It all makes sense. Perfect. And that's sense. There's only one thing that didn't make sense. Everything else was... We we don't it know how, hey, we don't know what time he went to bed. And I'm telling you, if Raju could fight through a thousand man angry mob by himself. Yeah. To get one guy. He, he can get over that snake bite. I'm I'm sure he just went like ah, and all the venom just popped out his pores. <laughs> he probably broke wind. He's like, 
but all right, there it is. Animals are running wild. It's tearing apart the British Army. It's really cool. Man, I hate the British. Uh, and while this is happening, Behemoth, I don't hate the British. I just have... I mean, they tried to stop us from being free. Mm-hmm. Okay? They tried to tax us without representation. Yes. Shame on you, Britain. You deserve what happens to you in this movie. Anyways, while this is happening, Behem still trying to find his sister while fighting the British at the same time. Because at one point, he picks up a cheetah and throws it at a soldier. Guys, he hurls a large cat at another man to kill him. And he stops for a moment to put Jenny safely in a car, which I thought was really sweet. She's like, oh, thanks for killing all of my friends and family, but at least I'm safe in here. And then he gets some chains and just uses that to beat the snot out of some soldiers. One soldier in particular, he just beats with these chains before impaling him on a live deer's antler. Incredible, incredible scenes. They're just, they're all of them. They're incredible. And here's and I know what you're thinking. They're not you gonna... don't bring a bullet. To a, to a chain fight. Right. Not when you're fighting Brohim. Brohim. Yeah, Brohim. And just when Brohim thinks that he's going to get Mally back. I mean, he's got all these animals. He's whipping tail, uh, both literally and figuratively. In rides Raju on a flaming chariot that he manages mm. to throw at Brohim. Mm. I'm, I'm not even joking. No. He throws this chariot. At Behem. And Behem's just like, why are you throwing chariots at me? Because he doesn't know that Raju's been hunting them. And and when he realizes that Raju's trying to arrest him, he's begging for his chance to find Molly, but Raju isn't about ready, isn't about mercy. He is about results. He's a brown man in a white man's world, and he needs this promotion. And he wants Behem's in custody as quickly as possible. And this quickly turns into a, a massive fight between the two friends. And gravity is defied as they both trade pl- punches that just launches the other person into the stratosphere. Chains again, bigger chains this time, are, are turned into weapons as well as fountains. At one point, uh, uh, Raju picks up a torch because he's fire. And Behem picks up a a fire hose because he's water squirt gun. and they just run at each other and fight with those for a minute. And then at another point during this fight, Raju punches a tiger with a flaming wall sconce. It didn't have anything to do with the plot, but I just want to point out the fact that he picked up a wall sconce, put it on like a boxing glove and then punched a tiger in the face with it. I'm glad they told me this was all CGI. Thought that I would think that the tiger was really getting punched with a wall sconce. <laughs> but knowing that it was all fake made me enjoy this movie even more. Yeah, you know, you didn't have to be troubled that there was some kind of mistreatment going on. Right. It was just, it's fascinating. But this fight is one-sided. I mean, not one-sided, it's it's even, I should say. No one can get ahead. They, they're both equally matched because they have equal love for each other and friendship in their hearts. Mm-hmm. And so, Governor Scott plays dirty and points a gun at Mally to bring the fight to a close. Behem needs to surrender, or they're going to shoot the little girl. And so, Behem is taken into captivity. And he screams in fury and anguish, and the two friends lock eyes at one another with just hatred in it. And sadness and confusion and the drop of blood, for some reason, trips into Raju's eye and turns his whole eye red. Why not? And then, both their arms are locked. And a graphic comes on the screen and turns Mahim's arm into a water arm and turns Raju's arm into a fire arm. <laughs> and the movie just stops right there for a second. Like, you need to go potty? It's a good time. <laughs> it's, it's a good, good place to take a break. And, that, oh. and that's where we're going to end, right there. We did it. The first half of RRR. And I'm not joking. It's such a good movie. You guys need to go watch it. 
how how can you man see in its movies it's movies like this i like movies with happy endings and i don't know what the ending's going to be but this is the happy right now but how could you reconcile that friendship after all that we've seen in those last few few scenes are you kidding me those men high fived underwater scott oh okay they rescued a young boy and then ate a fish in a tree. Okay? Their friendship's going to transcend fist fights. Come back next week for part two, where we find out that uh, that there's chapters in that that have letters or words that don't have R's in them, but they just put R's in them and say, this R's silent. I'm probably uh, going to go straight home and watch the second part of this. Oh, if you, if you have something that you want us to watch, send us an email at rottenrighteous at gmail.com. Or leave us a comment below if you're listening on iTunes. Give us five stars. If you're not listening on iTunes, get an iPhone. What's wrong with you? Um, I love you. I love all of you. I love you, Scott. Luke, I know you listened to last week's episode because I saw that we had one listener in Albania. And I know Megan's not listening to this. So Really? Even though you're dead and were canonically eaten by Megan when she turned into a werewolf. I knew she would turn. Just know we love you and uh, we miss you and we hope that you'll come back and visit someday. Rotten Righteous, I'm Zach Geiler. I'm Scott Judge. But before we go, hey Scott, me and Kelsey, yeah, Zach. Took, me and Kelsey took a romantic uh, uh, trip. It turned out to be kind of a bummer. But we went to go out and, and see the world's smallest wind turbine. Uh-huh. I gotta say, I'm honestly, I'm not a big fan. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> good night, everybody. Watch it or watch it. Your dad can be the my dad. <laughs> <laughs>